0: okay now we're starting a new book of the Torah and this is the first Parsha in the month of Av it's really interesting how the readings of the Torah also line up with the whole atmosphere that's going on in the month the month of Av is probably one of the most serious months And it's uh, a month when we really think a lot about judgment. On the 9th of Av, which is considered the saddest day of the whole year, is the anniversary of when the spies came back with an evil report. And so, because the people listened to the spies and they cried, Hashem said to the people, Well, since you're going to cry over nothing, I'm going to give you something to cry over and so we have this that on the 9th of Av the first two temples were destroyed it's a very sad thing so um, this whole month we're in this mode of remembering the judgment remembering when we failed it begins actually in the, in the middle of the month before Tammuz and it goes to the 9th of Av which is this coming Thursday. Um, so we're in this middle of, we're within this three-week period from the seventeenth of Tammuz, which was um, Thursday two weeks ago, and it ends this coming Thursday. But as we begin this new book of the Torah, I want us to think also think back. The new book of the Torah is actually a recapping of the Torah it's um, called Devarim which means it, can, it has two meanings the word has two meanings one is um, the sayings like Deber to say Le, Le Deber to say another meaning Dvarim also means things talking about these things so it's a good time for us to look back over the Torah welcome to our class Dale and Catherine I was just saying that this is the beginning of the new book of the Torah, the last book of the Torah Devarim and it's also, can you see the the sheet that I have here on the month of Av, if you can't I'll just reload it for you there, can you see it now Catherine and Dale okay great alright so this is the month of Av we just began the month of Av and I was saying before you came in how this Thursday is Tisha B'Av it's the 9th of Av which is the anniversary of the it's the anniversary of the destruction of both of the temples it's the anniversary of terrible things happening to the people of Israel the evil report from the spies was the first thing we had um, the expulsion of the Jews from Spain came on the 9th of Av I mean quite a few terrible anniversaries happened on the 9th of Av and if you remember last year and if you look down here and I made a mistake here I shouldn't have included team that comes in Elul but the last Parsha that we read in the month of Av and it was during this Parsha that Katrina first hit the United States so it was during the month of Av that Katrina hit the United States ironically the, the destruction of the Jewish community of Gaza was slated for the 9th of Av and then when the people in the Knesset realized oh my goodness we can't do that they might as well have left it where it was because they had unintentionally actually slated it for the 9th of Av. And then they just delayed it a day so that it would not be the 9th of Av. It would be the 10th of Av, you know, something like this. And so it's, it's just how even without thinking, and it is without thinking because once people think about it, they want to change it because they don't want to have this go down in history as being one more horrible thing that happened but we can look at the events of the world and we can look at what the Torah says and line them up we can mesh them together and it's very interesting to do that but Devarim is a time just like when we come to times of um, of judgment, it's a time of looking back and the Parsha of Devarim starts The sermon of Moshe Rabbeinu recapping what has happened, how they came out of Egypt, all the things that happened in the wilderness before they go into the land of Israel. So I want us to take this opportunity before we go into um, the Parsha, before we go into talking about the month of Av, which I want to do a little bit, to look back over the whole Torah. Now uh, we have discussed before how the five books of Torah line up with or correspond to the five levels of the soul. And we might think because it's uh, giving the laws and you know, so on, that Devarim, the last book, would be the highest level of the soul. That it would start at the bottom and go up. But it's not true. It starts at the top and it goes down because in the book of genesis in bereshit the whole idea of attaching ourselves to god to hashem is elusive it's it's kind of um, guessing it's not really spelled out to us exactly how to do it and so this corresponds with the highest level of the soul which is a little bit which is hard for us in our physical being to really relate to. It's hard for us to define. It's hard for us to really grab hold of. And so this is Bereshit. It has a lot to say for to us. It has a lot of promise, but it's very very high. It's something that we're supposed to bring down into the world and it speaks the book of Bereshit speaks to all mankind. It's very universal. It's very general but because of this idea of generality and universality it makes it harder for us to really grab hold of it so in the first book of the Torah we of course we have the story of creation the story of how man came into being there's a lot of secrets Reshit holds some of the deepest deepest secrets of the whole Torah and we see a relationship of man with Hashem as we see the relationship of Adam and, and Noah and the different forefathers of all mankind how they relate to Hashem and there is an idea of priesthood even laid down in the Torah in Bereshit there's an idea of law laid down it's a foundation of what becomes the Torah laid down in Bereshit this is like I said, it's very, very high. And because it's not spelled out, it's not detailed, it's harder for us to really grab hold of and bring down into our lives, into, into the world, into our real world. And so because of this, Hashem made things a little bit more delineated. He made things a little bit more particular. And so He started with, Okay, I started with all mankind, first with Adam, And then with Noah, all mankind, this universal thing, and there are universal laws that apply to all mankind. Then it it became more detailed and more particular, and so he chose one nation that was going to be priesthood. So in the book of Shemot, or Exodus, you have the story of the birth of this nation, as things become more particular. And in the book of Shemot, we have the, um, the national history of of the slavery in Egypt and the redemption and how the Jewish people accepted the Torah and how the Mishkan, the tabernacle, was constructed. And this is basically the book of, of Shemot or Exodus it could be called a book of exile and redemption because here we have a blueprint of what exile looks like. And it's really interesting how the first chapter of Shemot is like a blueprint a, an outline of exile it's an outline of the holocaust Even we can see point by point how things developed in the holocaust and, but it's also a blueprint for redemption that all of these things that happened it was like a microcosm of what we, we can expect on a larger scale for the whole world in redemption maybe not exactly with the details but it's going to be in the same way. The attitude, the atmosphere, the whole theme is going to be very similar to what is laid out in Shemot. The so redemption is very miraculous and dramatic. It will be even more so when it's on the major scale of the whole world. Then we come to the book of Icra or in English we call it Leviticus. And the reason it's called Leviticus is from the word Levi. It's because this book could also be called the book of laws concerning the Kohanim. Everything in the book of Leviticus is basically directed at the Kohanim and the Levites and even those laws that are directed at the people at large are concerning the Worship at the Mishkan and purification for worship at the Mishkan. That everything is centered around this idea. Then we come to the book of the Midbar, or uh, in English, that literally translates into "in the wilderness" So "in the desert." The Midbar is means desert. So Midbar is in the desert. And this is a story of of the trials that the people went through as they wandered the wilderness for the 40 years. All of the different hardships that the people encountered, all the failures, everything, it, and the successes. But all of these are recorded. This is the recording of the wandering in the wilderness. And the countings, that's why it's also called numbers. That it's the countings of the people, the names, it's... it's um. All, where all of the names of the, of the people, the tribes are recorded and then we come to the last book of the Torah which is uh, Devarim Deuteronomy Devarim like I said before is from, can be from two different words one is from which means to speak so it's the speaking and also Devarim means things, these things Dvarim is mainly, it's also called Mishnah Torah, which is the review of the Torah, because it is a recapping of the Torah. And there's one opinion that when the temple was being renovated in the days of King Josiah, that the book of the law that they found in the temple that had been lost was the book of Dvarim. And because it's this recapping of the Torah, and it begins with this sermon of Moshe Rabbeinu to, um, to the people. It's him telling them where they failed, but also lifting them up and encouraging them. Now this brings me to another point. We could, from the different things that we have studied in the different parashot, in, uh especially in Bamidbar that we went through, we could be tempted to think that the Jewish people, that the people of Israel were really a very weak people, that they were a sinful people, that they just blew it every chance they got. They failed in every trial they had. This really is not an accurate view. The Torah is giving us a very realistic, very um, just a second. The Torah is giving us a very realistic human view of the people of Israel it's not whitewashing it it's not making us, it's not candy coating it, it's showing us these people were the people who with the soul so high they merited to stand at Sinai, these were the people who merited to be the vessel to hear the voice of Hashem directly, they merited to, to see these wonders of the giving of the Torah and to receive it in their physical being not be the ones like uh, like all us who stood there in spirit um, our souls were there according to our sages but they merited to physically stand at Sinai and receive the Torah these are not for people to be able to be on that level this is not a small thing this is something really extraordinary I mean think about that And so we have to be very careful when we start to criticize the people of Israel. Because they stood in a place that none of us have ever stood. And they faced things that none of us have really ever had to face. So we have to be very careful when we start to criticize the people of Israel. and and just realized that these people were really great souls. So, this is the month of Av and the Parsha readings are, like I said, um, in line with the month. Now, I want us to look at the month of Av first before we go into the Parsha. Now, in the Sefer Yisira, it says, he made the letter tet king over sight oh, I, uh I sorry I goofed that up I really am sorry about that it was overhearing um, he made the, le- the, the letter tet king over hearing he bound a crown to it and combined one with another and with them he formed Leo in the universe Av in the year and Le Kidney in the soul male and female So, what does this mean? It means that the month, the Hebrew calendar, the month is Menachem Av. Now, the reason that we add the word Menachem is this is the word that means consolation or comfort. And so, although Av is a very difficult month for us to go through because it's a month of judgment, there's always the comfort of Hashem, the consolation. He never gives us prophecies of retribution of, of um, without right after it having the consolation. It's like when we scold our children. We're not going to say, I hate you, to our children. We're going to say, you messed up. I'm disappointed in the way you behaved, but I do love you. I'm going to punish you, but I'm punishing you because I want you to to understand you have, you have erred and that there are consequences for what you do in the world. And so I'm punishing you. But I want you to know that I truly love you. And never doubt that for a moment. And so this is the consolation that Hashem gives to us. He's never saying, I reject you totally, get out of my sight, I hate you. That's not what He does. He says, you have messed up, you've erred, And even though it can sound very, very harsh sometimes when we read these things in the Torah, and certainly the destruction of the temples, the things that the people of Israel suffered were extremely, extremely harsh. And exile itself was very, very difficult. But we should understand that even through the hardest, hardest times, this is something that he said through the prophets, When you go through the fire, I'll be with you. When you go through the water, I'll be with you. This is the definition of compassion. It doesn't mean that I'm going to not let you go through the fire. I'm not going to let you go through the water. But it means that even though you're going to have to go through this, I will be there with you. I will always be with you. I will never let go of you. And this is the consolation. This is what manichim means or Menachem, you might have heard Menachem Begin, this is where the word comes from, and we're told that Menachem, or Menachem is one of the names of Mashiach because it's a name of consolation so we don't just say the month of Av, we say Menachem Av and so that's the the month this is a very sad month it usually falls July, August like now the letter of the Hebrew alphabet that corresponds with this month is the letter Tet. And the spiritual limb of the soul is the left kidney. The sense of the soul is hearing. And the variety of the soul experiences humility. As we go through judgment, as we go through these things, we it, it is humbling. And that's what it's supposed to do. If we have a haughty, arrogant, attitude, what happens? It's gonna cause us to fall. And so humility is the is the sense of the soul experience of the month. The expression of the sphirot and, and you understand sphirot that's the the attributes of Hashem and there are ten. And that sphera of the month of Av is Malchut. Malchut is in English means kingship or kingdom. So it's the and it's the receptacle, and I'm going to talk about that in a little while. The zodiac sign is Leo, and the tribe that corresponds with this month is Shimon. On the breastplate of the Kohen Gadol, the high priest, the stone of the tribe of Shimon is called Pitda or it's a green uh, topaz and it's in the center of the top row here, you see it in the center of the top row it's kind of green and in Hebrew it says Shimon and the reason that this is the the color that is like the birth month the birthstone of Shimon is because when Shimon uh, heard, well it's like the Shimon himself, his face turned green with shame when Zimri was guilty. He was the prince or the Nasi of the tribe, and he rebelled against Moshe in the incident of the seduction of the Moabite girls. Oh, I made a mistake there. In Shitim. So the gem has a cooling property to add to a person's controlling, to aid a person in controlling his passionate side of his nature now last month, in the month of Ta- um, Tammuz the tribe was Ruvain, and Ruvain has the stone the ruby and the reason was because of red his face turned red for, with embarrassment over the incident with Bilhah, and in the same way, we have the idea of the face turning green with um, not envy, but with Shame. He's been shamed. And so Shimon has been shamed, and that's why there's a green property to this, but it's also a cooling of the passionate side of his nature. And his flag, remember the story of Shimon and Levi that they came against the city of Shechem and killed all the men after the rape of Dina. And so on the flag of Shimon, is the city of Shechem on a green background. Now we always have a tendency to think that what happened was a terrible thing. And the method, of course, was a terrible thing. But the idea that he had this fl- on his flag the tr- the city of Shechem of on his flag tells us that in reality the what he did standing up for His sister, who was raped by Shechem, and that the people of Shechem didn't say anything, that he was standing for morality. And so it is a a thing of pride that Shimon has the city of Shechem on his flag. And you can kind of see it here in this picture of uh, Shechem here. So when Shimon was born, he was the second of Yaakov's sons born to Leah. And in Bereshi 29.33 it says, And she conceived again and bore a son and said, Because the Lord has heard that I was hated, he has therefore given me this son also. And she called his name Shimon. So what she was saying is, because the Lord has heard. So Shimon comes from the Hebrew word Shema. And there's more about Shema. In fact, the Shema is, is in one of the parshaot for this month, Shema Israel. And then we have the incident of Shechem. And after the incident of Shechem, when Yaakov blessed the tribes, he spoke of Shimon and Levi having not controlled their anger. And he cursed their anger. He did not curse them. Don't make a mistake thinking he cursed them. He did not curse them. He cursed their anger. And then he said that they should be scattered through Israel, that they should be divided and scattered through Israel. And the people of of Levi, of course, became the priests and became the, um, the people who took care of the tabernacle, the things of the tabernacle and the temple. And so they were scattered all through Israel. The Levites lived all through Israel, and Shimon, the tribe of Shimon, became teachers of children. And so here Shimon is. You'll see his tribal territory here in green, and he's surrounded by Judah. He's in the middle here of Yehuda. and so he is. He is also kind of scattered there. It's very interesting how. That foretelling of Yaakov came true. Now, the the letter this isn't this was something I found very interesting. The letter of the month is the letter Tet. Now, you might wonder why is it important that we even talk about a letter, but it's very interesting how each month there is a letter that corresponds with that month, and it's very highly significant. So, this letter Tet has a numerical value of nine and that is the number of months pregnancy So, when a woman is pregnant she is she she is actually a vessel a vessel that holds the fetus you look at the letter tet it looks like a vessel with an open top so a woman is a vessel and the numerical value of tet is nine which is the number of months of pregnancy and there is an aspect of hiddenness to the letter Tet also and this is it corresponds with pregnancy as well because the fetus is hiding within the mother we also see um, Hashem hidden within his creation and he impregnates the world with his presence so there is all this idea in the letter Tet the sphere of the month Course, is Malchut and which is also a receptacle if you look at the array of the spherode you'll see the 10 spherode and Malchut is at the bottom so Malchut is the receptacle that receives all the divine energy from everything above it pours into Malchut and so there are 9 spherode above Malchut and they all pour into Malchut even more interesting than that I mean I found that very interesting but even more than that I, I was reading on about Tet and it is the main letter in the Hebrew word for inclination below and staff now remember the story of Shimon and Levi and, and then later we have the story of Zimri and there's a lot to this about about inclination about um, rectification but what happened with uh, our people, with listening to the spies, you know, refining our hearing, what happened when we um, spoke Lashon hara, evil speech, and people listened to that, and there was um, causeless hatred, caused the temple to be destroyed. So these, this tat is the main letter in the Hebrew word for inclination. And also below, like the, the lower inclination, as opposed to the higher inclination. And the word for staff. If we look at this, tet, you can also see, and if you look at it, you can also see like a head. And then you can see like a snake coiled. And in the Garden of Eden, the snake appealed. To the lower worldly inclination of man. So here you have the word below. And it's still our struggle. Bringing us to a tendency to lie. Just like the snake lied to Hava. The snake injured the ability to judge properly. So mankind tends toward imagination. Due to this fall. The Hebrew word for serpent is nachash which is also the word that means guess in Hebrew, and this was one of the practices that Hashem forbade the people of Israel to do as they went into uh, the Canaan, into the land of Canaan, was to, to guess. This was one of the practices of the forbidden cults of the Canaanites was guessing. He said you shall not guess. Because the Torah brings us to truth, and that is the opposite of guessing we're not supposed to imagine we're not supposed to fantasize we're not supposed to give in to this impulse in us to guess oh I wonder what if what if and our minds just go wild with this sometimes and we can be consumed with guessing we're not supposed to give in to that because this is the urge of the nakash what if and this was what Hala did what if I ate from this fruit and I became like God what could I do if I was like that and she was guessing and she gave in to that imagination he was appealing to her lower inclination which was her imagination and so we're told that the serpent the snake was actually created for another purpose he was created to be a supportive helper of mankind. It said that every household would have a Nakash, a serpent. And then, and of course the serpent did not look like what a snake looks like now. He looked different. He was transformed with the curse. And every household would have a serpent. And the serpent was very intelligent. This is we get this from the Kabbalah. He was very intelligent and he would and he, he would go and he would gather treasures pearls and and precious gems and he would bring them to his uh, master the human being that he was the helper of so every household would have this Nahash as the servant but the Nahash did not want that and so he chose he was the vessel of the inclination evil inclination now interestingly In Hebrew, we have what is called gematria. Each letter has a numerical value. When you look at the the letters of Nachash, and you look at the letters of Mashiach, and you add the numerical value of each letter together, of each word, they equal, they have the same value. What does this mean? This means that there is an equivalent of these two things of Nachash and Mashiach it means that the damage of the Nachash is going to be rectified through Mashiach that the Mashiach will come and he will and it's, it's not just Mashiach will come in the end of time and we're looking forward and we're all lost and horribly until that happens there is this of Mashiach in the world all the time there is a spark of Mashiach inside all of us that helps us to overcome the evil inclination of Nachash within us that helps us to refine our imaginations and breed in line with the truth of Torah and this is Mashiach in us this is the rectification of the Nachash of the damage of the Nachash and you notice that the last word of those three words was staff and what did Moshe Rabbeinu do with his staff Hashem told him put it on the ground and it became a serpent it became a nachash and so then he says pick it up hold it by its tail and Moshe picked it up and it was transformed back into his staff it was transformed back into an instrument that was helpful and supportive way the Nachash was intended to be and this is what Mashiach is, is to do is to transform the Nachash back into the supportive helper that he's supposed to be and we can take this not literally necessarily but we can take it even now that we're not looking forward to the end of time which maybe none of us will see who knows but even now every day we look forward to redemption in our time we look forward to rectifying ourselves and rectifying these things within us rectifying our imagination is is a big thing rectifying our speech rectifying our hearing very big thing so the sense that corresponds with the month of course we've talked about that is hearing and in Parshat in Deuteronomy 6.4 we read during the month of Av Shema Israel and this means hear Israel this is the most famous the most famous um, thing that we say is a declaration that Shem is one and so this is within this month of Av during this month when we have all of these trials All of these tribulations, we're very, very sad. We're grieving over our fallen state. We're grieving over the destruction of the temple. We're praying for the rebuilding of the temple. We're praying for redemption in the month of Av like we, in a way that we don't, we don't have any other month that's quite like this month of praying, of crying out. And so we have Shema Israel is in the in the readings of this month. And it's rectify your hearing. So the laws are reiterated during this month to remind us about Hashem's directives and to teach our children. Now hearing is connected to the advice of the kidneys. Now you're going to think, well this sounds funny. But the kidneys are called the seat of the conscience. Now the the organ, the. What is it? The limb of the soul that corresponds with the month of Av is the left kidney. Now, you have a left kidney and you have a right kidney, and they have to work together in order for you to have balance. Now, the kidneys working together are the seat of the conscience. Now, the right kidney corresponds with the tribe of Issachar. And Issachar was the tribe of Torah scholars. So you need that. You need that voice of the right kidney to bring the left kidney into balance. Because the left kidney, like Shimon, has a tendency toward rashness. It has a tendency for bringing us into um, quick thinking, thinking of something, hearing wrongly, and just reacting, just like that. Just reacting. Rash behavior. We need the balance of the right, of the Torah voice bringing us into balance so that we can have, you know, it's not bad that we have the courage to act. This is a good thing. And maybe if you have the right kidney, um, which corresponds to Torah scholars, maybe it might err on the side of caution. So you need both together. You need the courage to act but you also need that caution you also need no I'm going, to, I'm going to wait I'm going to pray I'm going to seek Hashem's will through the Torah and so this is our challenge during this month our challenge is to listen listen to the correct voices listen and obey in order to rectify our raw emotions and draw them into line with Hashem's will Hashem is speaking to us. We, our conscience is speaking to us. This is very important for us to understand this. Now, the liturgy, and we've been talking about this already, um, the liturgy for the fast of Tishba'ab, which comes Thursday, as I said, is the book of Lamentations. This was a lamentation of Prophet um, Jeremiah, Yirmiyahu, when king uh, Yoshiahu or uh, Josiah was killed by the pharaoh Mako and he lamented his death because the death of Josiah brought with it the time of destruction remember when they found the book of the law and like I said before there is an opinion that the book of the law that they found in the temple when they were renovating the temple was nothing more nothing else but the Book of Devaring, which reiterates the whole Torah. And they realized how far they had gone from obeying the laws of Shem. The Book of Devaring isn't just reiterating the whole Torah. We actually have seven new mitzvot within the Book of Devaring. So it's a very important, very crucial book. And they realized they had gone so far away they went to the prophet Huldah and she said to them the judgment of Hashem is against the people of Yehudah and just like our sister nation our, our brothers of the ten tribes of the north we are going to go into exile and it cannot be reversed the decision of the court of heaven is sealed but because you O King Josiah are so righteous you will not. it will not happen until you have died so with the death of King Josiah, Yoshiahu Jeremiah lamented because it wasn't just this very very righteous king who had died it was a marker in time that the time had come for the destruction of his people the destruction of the temple itself and we know from um, other readings from Maccabees, from the some of the Dead Sea Scrolls, that Jeremiah was the one that King Josiah instructed to hide the items of the temple in order that they would not be carried away by the Babylonians. So, this is the book, Lamentations, is the book that we read on Tishba'ah. And this book begins with the Hebrew word Echa. And It means in Lamentations it says in English alas, but it also means how can it be? Echa! How can this be? It's something that almost doesn't translate into English. It comes from a very, very deep place of pain. And ironically, after Adam and Hava ate from the forbidden fruit, And Hashem asked, Where are you? In Hebrew, when he was looking for them, he said, Where are you? That's in English. But in Hebrew, it was also, Echa. What happened? How can it be? Hashem was saying. And this is a sense of deep, deep heartbreak. And it should even, you know, bring us to, and I mean, I even feel myself right now, to bring us to crying. Because we realize that the first time this very, very painful word was uttered, was uttered by our Creator Himself. And then each year on Tishvah the Jewish people began saying, Echa, how could it be, how could it be that we have gone so far away so wrong that we've chosen the lower inclination, we've separated ourselves from Hashem. How can it be we have fallen so low that we have experienced now this destruction that this is the consequence of our action so it's a very heartbreaking word it comes from a deep place, deep deep place just like Adam and Hava were cast from the garden this is the same sense when the Jewish people were cast out of the land of Israel the exile the destruction of the temple a very similar thing from being exiled from the garden. And it brings us to Echa, heartbreaking, heartbreaking. We would say this, that that we're, we're saying the very word that our Creator said when we first sinned. So in this month, we look at Shimon, and Shimon and Levi had a history of anger. His anger would turn murderous. It was murderous against the people of Shem, against these men of Shem, and it was even murderous against their own brother Yosef. And Yosef was buried at Shem. Now it's very interesting about Shem. Shchem is a city that has the mountains of cursing and blessing on either side of it, where six tribes stood on one mountain and spoke spoke the um, blessings and all the people would say Amen and then six tribes stood on the other mountain and spoke the curses and all the people had to say Amen and today, even today you'll look at these two mountains and where I lived in Malay Lavana, I could see through my window of my living room I could say, see what we call Har Bracha it was the mountain of blessing Now, on Har Bracha you have trees it's beautiful, it's green on the mountain of cursing, there's nothing. It's barren. nothing. And in the middle of those two mountains is the city of Shem. In Arabic, now the people and you probably hear it in the news, called Nablus. It is actually Shem. Shem has a very sad history, but it is in this place that Yosef Hadarik, the brother of the of Shimon, was buried it was here that Yosef was sold by his brothers and it was here that they brought his bones back from Egypt and they buried him now the Arabs also took the tomb of Yosef in one of the battles of the Intifada um, some years ago, not too long ago and they totally destroyed it but before that happened you should know that people who go to his tomb felt an overwhelming atmosphere of peace each one of these tombs of the Tzadikim had a certain atmosphere about it and the tomb of Yosef had an atmosphere of peace in spite of the fact that it was located in this place where so many very very murderous Arabs live, terrorists and so on yet here in the midst of all this hostility and anger was this place That was peace. And Rabbi um, Yitzhak Ginsberg had his yeshiva there. And that was one of the three places where he had a yeshiva. So, when we come to this month, this is a month that we should be thinking about rectification of our imagination. And listening to our inner voice. It is our conscience. It is seated in our kidneys bringing it into balance those things, those rash, raw emotions bringing it all into balance so that we can have true peace in a covenant with Hashem what it truly means and this is the only way the only way that we can negate what caused the destruction of the temple in the first place and that was the causeless hatred of each other and so it can bring us to a place of worthiness in the world. It can bring us to a place where we're meant to be in the world, to our place. And it's the only hope for us to bring our, the world to peace is to do this inner work within ourselves. We have to start with ourselves. So it's easier to look at the other guy and see where he's messing up. But first we have to start with ourselves. So each time we come to one of these lessons about the month that is um, centered around one of the tribes, one of the senses, one of the uh, spirits. All of these things come together to teach us how to rectify ourselves. And this is an especially very, very um, heavy month. A lot of work for rectification. It's like um, shifting into high gear. So... This is our this is our prayer for this month. Oh uh, just one moment, because I want to go now to does anybody have a question about the month, about anything that we've said so far? Does anybody have a comment before we go into the parsha? Um Tisha B'Av is on Thursday it begins Wednesday night and it ends Thursday night the 20th uh, it, it, no, it is on the 3rd of August right and, uh, and this is this Tisha B'Av is one of the major fasts the 17th of Tammuz was a minor fast which is from morning to evening is a major fast. It's from uh, sundown to sundown. It's a 25-hour fast. So if you're interested in doing that, fasting and praying on that day, you should realize that it's a it's a very um, it's a big fast. It's fasting from food and water for 25 hours. And this is what all of the Jewish people, all of the observant Jewish people, are doing. So, just one moment while I go to the next thing that I need to bring over. Now, um, in Parshat Devarim, this is beginning a new book of the Torah. And so, here is an outline on Parshat Devarim. Now, mainly... Parshat Varim is about a recapping, like I said, of what has come before, of the journeys, of all of these things. Moshe is um, going over it again because he is getting ready to pass on. And so for this period of time, he he does this, um, let's see, He begins on the first of Shvat, and he speaks to the people of Israel. He reads the whole Torah to them, and he and he teaches them for 37 days until he passes away. And he passes away in the month of, of, of um, Adar, on the seventh of Adar. So he has this 36 days of speaking to the people of Israel. And we're told that he not only spoke to the people of Israel in Hebrew, that he iterated the whole Torah, this whole speech that he gave them, in the 70 languages of the world. So he recapped all the story of the wandering, everything that had happened, and he preached the sermon to them in the 70 languages of the world. And this is miraculous when you stop and you think about it, because when we first meet Moshe as an adult, what does he say he says he's a person who is slow of speech he's a person who has a speech impediment and he's very shy about speaking to anybody but certainly about public speaking and yet here he is he's giving this sermon to the people for 37 days uh, 36 days okay so Devarim chapter 1 verse 1 these are the words that Moshe spoke to all Israel on the other side of the Jordan concerning the wilderness concerning the Arvah opposite the Sea of Reeds between Haran and Tophel and Lavan and Hazrot and uh, Dizahab eleven days from Horus by the way of Mount Seir to Kadesh Barnea it was in the 40th year in the 11th month on the 1st of the month when Moshe spoke to the children of Israel according to everything that Hashem commanded to them, him to, to them. After he had smitten Sihon king of uh, the Amorite, who dwelt in Heshvan and Og king of Bashan who dwelt in Ashtarot in Edri. On the other side of the Jordan in the land of Moab Moshe began explaining this Torah, this Torah, saying,